You've never hung in Nashville? No. You're you're gonna have a fun time. I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Friends of Anthony Bourdain. I'm Emily Fedner, a former line cook, pasta pop-up owner, and the creator behind Food Lover's Diary. And I'm Fabrizio Villapondo, also known as The Moody Foodie. I'm a former waiter turned food-obsessed home cook and recipe developer. You might be familiar with the Friends of Bourdain Instagram and TikTok account. That was started by our producer as a way of keeping Bourdain's legacy alive. So this is about you, his fans. We want to continue the conversations about Tony's travels. So that's why we started this podcast, actually, as fans ourselves who are inspired by Bourdain. And each week we get to return to parts unknown or parts now known. We'll reconnect with the friends Anthony Bourdain traveled the world with, revisit the places they traveled to, and explore what's changed since they last visited. All as told by his friends. This week on Friends of Bourdain, we have Margot Price, a Nashville-based country music singer and songwriter. So I'm just going to come right off the bat and say this. Uh, Emily, you know this very well. I tend to be a uh, stubborn asshole sometimes. <laughs> and I have been that guy that, you know, goes through life saying country music is not my sound. And I know that Bourdain said something similar. Most people, I think, who haven't been in Nashville outside looking in, they see Nashville, they think country music. But it's really not that at all. But after watching that Nashville episode, getting, a, you know, a taste of Margot Price and hearing to a new album called Strays, my mind has changed. Well, I think that a big theme of the the Nashville episode and specifically Margot was, like you said, Anthony Bourdain also felt like he didn't like country music, but Margot's sound is really different. Her story is really different. And that episode was really emotional because mm. they both addressed their struggles with mental health, both very you know open mm. and authentic about that, which is unique. Also, I've never been to Nashville. So we got to get some wrecks. And that is definitely one of those episodes in the United States where upon watching it, I was like, I kind of want to go to fucking Nashville as soon as possible. I mean, I really had no idea. I mean, even with the food and like I mentioned with the music, it, you know, you have your preconceived notions of the culture of a place. And yeah, I was completely wrong. Sometimes, sometimes I think our preconceived notions of cities in America are even stronger than our preconceived notions of other countries and places that are lesser known to us mm. here in, you know, America. And Nashville is one of those places because it does have a certain reputation and vibe about it. But Nashville is more than country music and hot chicken. And I think that this episode was really a cool inside look into this burgeoning, awesome city. No, absolutely. I mean, and that's why we love Tony, because he really just shattered what we used to think about a certain place. And and we got to see it. And, you know, he meets incredible people like Margot Price. So I'm really excited to hear what she has to say, give a little bit of perspective upon her friendship or Nashville in general. Whether she would like to be called this or not, she was a really good representative of authentic Nashville. So we're super excited to speak to her. So let's have Margot Price on, another friend of Anthony Bourdain. Margo, thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited to chat with you. Both Fab and I spent a lot of time listening to your album last night, your new album, Strays. Very much enjoyed it. Yeah. And I was actually going to, like, I was listening to specifically like, the first track resonated with me. Just the song itself, you know, to tie it in with Anthony Bourdain, I was like, this could be title song, like a show of his. And it, the sound of it, the lyrics are incredible and just really beautiful work. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Yeah, I wish, I wish he was around to 
to uh, hear it and mm. to see the impact that his life has just had on so many people. So you first met him during that the filming of the Nashville episode. Is that right? I did. I knew that they were going to go to Third Man. Of course, him and uh, Jack White were friends. And I believe that they wanted to do, that Anthony wanted to do an entire Nashville episode not with any country music. So he mm. wanted it to shock music. And at the time, the records I was putting out were very, very country. So then I guess they they played him some of my stuff and he he said, all right, Margo, Margo gets in. And I was just like, damn, moment of wow. a lifetime. What a seal of yeah. approval. Yeah. When Anthony Bourdain like fucks with your body of work. Like, yeah. That sounds incredible. And, and, and not and not many others. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about that episode specifically, too, was to be completely honest with you, I used to very, you know, being very ignorant about country music. I knew what you I used saying. to be that dickhead that, you know, that would just be like, I don't like country, you know, because I had like one type of sound in my mind. And I think that, you know, that episode specifically was just, and Tony did it with a lot of other cultures or music or food. It was so nice to, for him to just break the stigma and introduce, you know, like the real stuff. And like Absolutely. now I want to go to Nashville. <laughs> I, well, I think, you know, there's definitely the type of music that people listen to. It's, you know, it's a reflection of our morals and our politics and our ideas. So like, no, yeah, definitely um, understand when people say like, hey, I don't listen to country music, because when you look at most modern country music that's going on today, like these asshats like Jason Aldean, like mm -hmm. they are very small minded individuals. Mm -hmm. But it was cool. I really got to see Anthony like get into a lot of a lot of country music that I, I don't think he had previously listened to. That kind of was even over the after I met him over that next year, I would see him like listening to certain things like on his story or, mm -hmm. you know, what I put up that he was like listening to Waylon Jennings and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that converted yeah, say, him. how amazing to be like, <laughs> Yeah, that was me. Like, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's the thing that surprised you the most about him when you met him? Oh, the thing that surprised me the most, honestly, I think the way that he that he carried himself in the show, it was really he was who he said he was in his writing and his personality. He just everything I expected him to be and more. You know, when somebody has like that level of fame, what they're going to be like to interact with. And honestly, the hangs that we had off camera were like some of the best moments of my life so far, just being able to to talk to him when the cameras like were on and to see that he was like, he was exactly mm. how you thought he'd be. Very authentic. Yeah, just like he was, he was unafraid to be himself, like flaws and all. You know, I mm -hmm. think that was just what was so refreshing about him. And that's why so many people gravitated towards him. Yeah, I was, I don't think I had ever been like more nervous to meet anybody. And like, I've hung out with some really cool people. Yeah. But when we initially, you know, we were like, well, maybe we should go out to a dinner with him. We suggested a few places. And then, you know, we were mentioning to the producers like, well, my husband, Jeremy, he's worked in like every restaurant in Nashville. And like, he could just cook you a meal and you could just come to our house and we could sit around the fire pit and like play music. And they were like, we love it. And then as he was getting ready to come over, like we were just having a panic attack. We're like, why are we cooking for Anthony? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, was your husband like, babe, how about we just go to a fucking restaurant instead? Like, thanks for volunteering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah, that must have been nervous. But, you know, he always he was always really vocal about how his favorite aspect of like he loved a home cooked mm. meal because mm -hmm. someone like him, he's been to every restaurant ever. I mean, he can fuck with a tasting menu per se, just like he could fuck with a backyard fire pit, mm -hmm. home cooked meal and loved them both the same. Probably probably like the home cooked meal better, I, I would assume. Also, yeah. 
I would too. Yeah. yeah. What was his like sort of feedback uh, with the dinner? Because, you know, watching the show, he's very honest with the food, you know? Yeah. So we were just in a panic before he showed up. I was like cleaning like a maniac and, and trying to like assist Jeremy in the kitchen. And he loved the pimento cheese. We mm. made Jeremy's mother's like recipe of pimento cheese, which is obviously very Southern. And we made um, biscuits from a place a recipe place in town is called the Loveless Cafe, like homemade biscuits. And then we also did like a short rib. You know, the thing about short rib is that it has to be timed like mm -hmm. perfectly mm -hmm. because let it sit too long. You know, it's like a muscle and it congeals. Yeah. And that was like the biggest thing was just they're like, OK, he's coming. Oh, wait, no, he's going to be 20, 30 minutes later. Oh. And so they had to like fire like another short rib up. But I'm literally feeling <laughs> the secondhand anxiety of that. <laughs> oh. It's like you're I not mean, just cooking, but you're also dealing with like a shoot day. Yeah, he was he was very complimentary. He ate all the food and he seemed to really love it. And then mm -hmm. what was incredible is that, yeah, we made all these like cocktails and, and they stayed and hung out. And then like once the shoot ended, I mean, it was probably like, I don't know, 11 p.m. midnight or something. Like they ended up hanging out at our house and just like drinking and eating until four or five in the morning. At that point, you're probably like, okay, if they didn't like the food, they probably would have like... Yeah. left by now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like as good of a cook. It was my job to like do the cocktails and I did like a vucare and then I did, I believe, well, because I wanted to do a vucare because it's like bourbon and, you know, just tying in with the South and everything. But I was on a really big like mezcal mule kick Ooh, and choice. all night. <laughs> and I was just, I was really happy that he liked the cocktail. Mm -hmm. Want to travel the world like Anthony Bourdain? This episode of Friends of Anthony Bourdain is sponsored by Monos. Monos is an award-winning travel and lifestyle brand that makes timeless premium goods for the mindful traveler. Their collection of luggage, bags, clothing, and accessories is designed with intention, crafted with care, and made to last. Bourdain famously said, travel isn't always pretty. It isn't always comfortable. Sometimes it hurts. It even breaks your heart. But that's okay. The journey changes you. It should change you. Modus designs their products with a mindful traveler in mind, those who journey with an open heart and open mind, those who believe in being receptive to other cultures and other people, and also being open and receptive to the moment that's right in front of them, those who choose to explore places near and far with wonder and curiosity, with gratitude and graciousness. Monos is inviting listeners of the Friends of Bourdain podcast to learn more about their story and experience their collection of premium travel goods firsthand and for a limited time, are offering 15% off your purchase at monos.com using the code Bourdain15. Something you said earlier, I was just thinking about that. You were saying, you know, he was really authentic and he, you know, he wasn't scared of his flaws. Mm -hmm. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons he liked you so much and gravitated right. towards you because it's really clear that you don't shy away from your flaws and you're open about your struggles in the past. Did you guys speak about addiction or any of like your commonalities in that world when he was in Nashville? Well, kind of during that time, I was on a pretty big tear when he came through and my substance abuse career has been long and arduous and up and down and hot and cold. And I was in a really good place with my career at that time. And I felt like my drinking wasn't as abusive. We talked a lot about not fitting in, in in our industries. He gave me some really good advice that I took and I have I have not looked back. He was like, so you're just kind of, you know, starting to to get some fame and some like fans and everything. He's like, let me tell you something that I wish someone would have told me a long time ago. Don't accept drinks from fans. He's like, just don't do it because you're never going to be able to drink all of them. And he's like, hey, you know, you're a woman. You don't know if it's Yo, safe yeah. or not. He just was like, just just don't don't take drinks from fans. 
We talked a lot too, just about being kind of outsiders and mm. not and not feeling like you like fit this mold. But he was such a incredible example of someone that was like, yeah, not afraid to be an individual and definitely, you know, marched to the beat of his own drum. Mm. And that's like what made people gravitate towards him. I hope I'm saying this verbatim. You famously said, um, I have a lot to say, but nothing to prove. <laughs> I feel like you guys like parallel with that mindset. And like you said, um, you know, in your respective in industries, different to the rest of the pack and just so talented and you guys' own right. And we also described him as like a wandering guru, right? So that, that must have been nice, like in that moment in your career to have Tony, you know, being able to meet him. And yeah, like what other like words of advice would you say that he imparted on you that stuck with you? I have this message from him mm -hmm. in my Twitter inbox. And it was shortly after we like became on the show. He just wrote me like totally unprompted one day. And he just said, you deserve all the good things that are coming your way. I think I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but that just meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to me that he was in my corner, that he kind of understood what I was doing. I have read all his books. And even, you know, when I began writing my memoir in 2018, I went and revisited Kitchen Confidential and just the way that he, that he lived his life it was inspiring mm -hmm. and absolutely like affected everything that I do going forward. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think that his death uh, was just, it was really, it was really, really hard to understand, obviously for, for so many people. And I still go back in my head and think like, maybe he, he was speaking out about Trump. He was speaking out about um, Harvey Weinstein. And, you know, there's times where I just, I, I still doubt it. And I mm -hmm. just, I want there was foul play because it's just it's just so devastating. Also, knowing that he, you know, he did struggle with the things he struggled with. That is kind of one of the things in my life that, you know, I have children as well. And I knew that I that I absolutely like could not continue to live the way that I was living. And so in his absence, you know, I carry on just some of that because I, I wish that I wish that he I just wish it all would have mm -hmm. went different that he was still here because he just he gave people so much I just don't know that he knew how much joy he brought to people and how much he influenced everybody I mean we're sitting here talking about him years later and I as we've said for years to come I'm sure what an impactful legacy and how cool that you did get to meet him and that he's impacted you. And I would die for a little message from Tony in my inbox to be able to look back on. So that's so freaking cool. You know what is so strange is like the night before I got the call about y'all's podcast, mm -hmm. I had him about Anthony. What? Oh, shit. He, what was the dream? He came to me in my dream and he just, he seemed really happy and he was like, I'm just checking in on you and just saying hello. But it was very surreal. It was like, I wasn't aware in my dream that he wasn't here anymore. And mm -hmm. then woke up the next day and I was like telling my managers about it. It was the day before my album was released. I was like, I had a dream about Anthony Bourdain last night. And they were like, are you kidding? Because just got a, a message about going on the podcast mm -hmm. for Bourdain. I was like, well, that is absolute kismet. I hope that means he <laughs> they, would approve. Yeah. I was going to say, thank you for sharing that with us because that is a beautiful sign, I would say. My mom always talks about dreams and the meaning of dreams. So I think that Olaf Fedner would say that's a really good sign. Yeah, like this for us, I mean, I know this isn't about me. It's a full circle moment <laughs> to keep it short and sweet. It's a full circle moment. The reason I started cooking and the reason I have the career I have now was literally Kitchen Confidential. And now we're talking about him. And it's like a beautiful thing. And 
it's such an honor to hear you got to meet him firsthand, your experience and how he influenced you. And it will, he will live on as, as we can see. Mm -hmm. I actually have a question for you about Nashville. I've never been, although I'm from Columbus, Ohio, so not too far. Out of the spots you guys visit or baby spots that weren't visited on the show, what are your favorite spots in Nashville to go eat? Absolutely. There's a place called The Continental. It is phenomenal. It is ran by Sean Brock who's definitely, he was a friend of Tony's as well. And every single restaurant that he puts together is just like every detail, everything. There's another one that he just started in town as well. It's called Audrey. And Isn't that his both, grandmother? Yes. Mm. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Fangirling. <laughs> right? I'm like, you named your restaurant after your grandmother. Like both of them, they like the prime rib at the Continental is just, and I, and I don't eat a lot of meat anymore as I'm like nearing 40, but sometimes I think it's like Tony's words of wisdom and advice ringing in my head that's like keeping me from going completely vegan. <laughs> I know. I, what, what he famously said in Kitchen Confidential, he was like a life without awful and um, like foie gras. He was talking about certain mm -hmm. meaty things. He's like a life without these things is not worth living. I tend mm -hmm. to agree, yeah. although my sister's, my older sister's vegan, my twin sister is a pescatarian and <laughs> I give them a lot of shit. <laughs> I'm like mostly pescatarian, but like, okay, there's this French place that opened up in Nashville as well that is so cute. It's very unassuming from the outside. Like, I know that Tony would have loved this place because it's just down to the detail. It's a family that moved from France to Nashville. It's called Once Upon a Time in France. Their foie gras is amazing. I mean... They do it all exactly the way that it has to be done. And you can't make reservations. You just have to come in. But they have an incredible wine selection. They have their duck. It's perfect. I think that we should go to Nashville. I think this is our sign. Should we take the show, to, show on the road to Nashville? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we'll be perfectly clear. No one would have ever associated Anthony Bourdain with a vegan lifestyle. And he was definitely also not known for being a health conscious chef. Right. He certainly did not maintain a plant-based diet. But, and there's a huge but here, he did have a true passion for all things ingredients, sourcing, freshness, and how things are made. That's why we wanted to partner with Sakara for this podcast. Sakara delivers science-backed, plant-rich nutrition programs and wellness essentials right to your door. The ready-to-eat meals are nutritionally designed to deliver results from weight management and ease bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin. And on top of all of the nutritional benefits, their food just simply tastes really good. Yeah, it's fresh and tastes unlike any other at-your-door meal. I feel like Sakara's food could really be suitable for any diet or lifestyle. I'm not vegan and I love it. It's just good food. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash Bourdain or enter code Bourdain at checkout. This is really an awesome deal. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash Bourdain get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash B-O-U-R-D-A-I-N. Again, Sakara.com slash Bourdain. After COVID and everything, like the food culture, the music scene and everything, how do you think Nashville, uh, getting back to like how things were, has it just like changed forever, like in a good way? Like, how would you describe it right now? You know, it's complicated when gentrification comes into a city that has so many amazing cultural things already in place. So mm -hmm. like a lot of favorite like record stores, a lot of my favorite venues, they're shuttering their doors. The Exit Inn was like a, a famous rock club that everybody and their brother played at from Neil Young to Leonard Cohen to Johnny Cash. 
they just close their doors. And, you know, there's been a lot of bad things that have happened. Mm -hmm. But the one good thing that has happened from the boom of this city is that we finally have incredible restaurants. Mm. The Optimist is another place that is just like, they fly in their seafood. You can go get like fresh oysters. I mean, of course it's not going to be like as fresh as if you're on the coast, mm -hmm. but I mean, I'm telling you like night and day from when I moved here 20 years ago, there's like a little taco place. It's called Redheaded Stranger. It's super cute. That's a there's, cute name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. After the <laughs> Willie Nelson song, there is Moss Tacos. It's not anything that's like super expensive. It's just you're going to walk in and like get lunch, but it's going to be consistent like every time. It's good food. If you're coming off of a tour or like a long time away and you're back in Nashville, what's the first spot you hit? Like what do you miss the most? Other than your husband's cooking because yeah. I assume that's the answer. <laughs> Absolutely. Get so tired of, of eating out when I get on the road. Cafe Rose is a really cute little spot that you can go for like breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And they have like a rotating menu. They're incredible. It's Louise, also mm. phenomenal. Uh, Locust. I just um, want to take a moment and say thank you for all these incredible. I'm like, literally just, like, writing everything like, down. All these like great spots. I'm writing everything down. And if ever, you're ever in New York, you have to tell us because yeah. we will take you around to, to oh. other spots. And you'll have to stop by my pasta pop-up if you like pasta. <laughs> and I am going to be in New York soon. So <gasps> these get together. I would... Love y'all to come out to my show. I'm playing at um, Lincoln Hall. Say no more. Fucking We're there. And, and speaking of New York, watching the episode, that East Nashville. So I live in Brooklyn. And a lot of like the, you know, the Nashville joints that they're showing, I was like, this is kind of reminiscent of Brooklyn. Would you say that that like vibe is kind of like coming in? You know, a lot of people are moving to Nashville. A lot of a lot of my friends have like lived there, for, you know? 100%. I'm trying to think of the phrase that I came up with. Maybe it was a year ago, but it was East Nashville is the new Brooklyn that is Silver Lake. <laughs> no, oh, yeah. I can see like a very direct parallel yeah. with all, the, all three of those things. Because we used to live in LA too, and Silver Lake and Brooklyn are definitely yeah. <laughs> very, it's like sister They're, towns. Right? Yeah. Yeah, there's all sorts of cool little like thrift stops, vintage stores. There still is a lot of the culture that is still here. It's easy mm -hmm. for me to drag on things and, and say like that too much has changed. But I am absolutely so grateful that like I can go get a meal that does feel like New York. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? For I a think, while, yeah. everyone did like fancy like Southern flair where it's like, okay, it might be like elevated Southern food, but like we need more. Mm -hmm. it, and yeah, it's it's like a major city. I think it is our right as long-term residents of any city. The longer we live there, the more of a right we have to complain about anything going on oh, absolutely. in the city. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's really a rite of passage. We have this one question that we've been asking everyone and we would love to ask you, even though it's difficult, if you could describe Tony in one word, what would that word be? Complex. I was going to say brilliant, but absolutely, he was, he contained multitudes, you mm -hmm. know, there was not just one side to him. And I feel like, you know, so many of us felt like we knew him as, you know, as even a family member, because we just spent so much time listening to his voice, but he was complex. Could you like reflect on, you know, like maybe where you were? What went through your mind in that moment when you found out about his passing? Oh my gosh, it was like this this shock and devastation that like I just couldn't I couldn't actually believe that the cause of death was what everybody was saying it was. Mm -hmm. 
because when we had spent time with him and even just being able to kind of keep in touch with him via phone or, you know, like messaging on Instagram or whatever, I just was, I was stunned. And I, and I think it goes to show that you just never really know people are going through teaches you to like check in on your friends a bit. And, you know, it's not like I have anywhere near the fame or success that he has, but I do understand there can be this like overwhelming sense of loneliness when you have like reached success and fame because it alienates you from people. I was just in such shock. I just sat down and I just... I wanted to like write something for him, but it didn't feel like anything that I wrote was like going to do him justice. But I just sat down and wrote and just kind of meditated. And if anything, I was just happy that he wasn't struggling and in pain anymore. Thank you for sharing that with us. It's definitely a difficult thing to reflect on, but thank you for sharing. And thank you for sharing everything and for giving us an arsenal of restaurants to (laughs) visit next time we're in Nashville. We really appreciate you taking the time and we hope we're going to see you at your your show in New York. Absolutely. And actually, I'm like, maybe just to end on a bit of a like a brighter. Oh, yeah. Of course. course. One other memory that I have is that. And maybe I won't say this person's name. There was another like TV kind of celebrity chef. I already know who it is, but continue. Yeah. My husband was like, so what do you think about so-and-so? And And he's like, oh man, he's like, I don't even have to think about him at all. And (laughs) (laughs) What a good fucking answer. I'm going to use that. I don't even have to think about him at all. And then like shortly after um, Anthony's passing, well, it was probably like six months or something. I got invited to dinner with this other and I was like no fucking way in hell am I gonna go to I'm good I already I already dined with Anthony Bourdain I don't yeah <laughs> you're loyal well thank you that's hilarious and hey thank y'all for carrying on such an important legacy thank you for sharing with us that uh that dream you had that yeah just makes this more special I take that as a good no. sign yeah to be visited in a dream by Anthony Bourdain is never a bad thing Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Friends of Anthony Bourdain. Friends of Anthony Bourdain is produced by Haley Drazen of Hey Now Media and Brandon Brown. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow along on Instagram and TikTok at Friends of Anthony Bourdain. And don't forget to visit friendsofanthonybourdain.com.